are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I would love for you this morning to um, try to picture someone in your mind. Maybe you know them, maybe it's someone you've read about, maybe you knew them at one point in your life and maybe they're even deceased now, but picture someone in your mind. And for most of us, I think someone will just kind of come to our minds who has lived a life saying yes to God. They just have always put God first. Whatever God called them to do, whatever God asked of them, their answer was a yes. And and also, they were able to live this life where They always put others before themselves. They just lived a very selfless life. And so I'm asking you to do that. And in my mind, someone comes to the forefront of my mind immediately. So when you get that person in your mind, they've just lived this life of saying, God first, others second. Whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. Whatever God asks of me, the answer is yes. And they live selflessly, always putting others in front of themselves. When that person is in your mind and you think about how they have lived and maybe you watch them live over the years. And for me, this person um, is my mom. My mom has just lived this life of whatever God said. The answer was yes. And, and I've watched her over the years just live selflessly. It was always what you needed. That was always much more important than what she needed. So let me ask you, how... How much do you want to live like that? How bad do you want this for your own life? How great is the desire within you to say, I want God to somehow work miraculously in me, Pastor Rick, that I just live like this, God first and then others second, knowing that God will take care of me. And so let me recap the story a bit for you. We don't know much about this guy whose name is Abram in chapter 12, verse 1 of Genesis. In fact, when his name comes up, that's the first we know. God spoke to Abram. Well, who is Abram? We, we knew very little at that point. And God says, I want you to leave your, your father's household, your relatives, your country. And I want you to go to the land that I will show you. And God makes promises. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. All the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through you, Abram. And then you get to verse 4, and something powerful happens. The Word of God says, so Abram left. To some people, it probably seemed irresponsible. It didn't make sense. He was not playing it safe. But in his heart, he was convinced, God is asking me to do this, and so I'm going to do it. Whatever God asks of me, the answer is yes. He simply said yes to God. Because for Abram, God is first. Whatever God asks of me, the answer is yes. And then, as we continue the story, he leaves at the age of 75, lives as a nomad, lives in tents, takes his livestock, everything that he owns, his nephew Lot, other extended family, I'm sure, servants, whatever he had, And he travels to this land. Where are you going, Abram? I don't know. He said he would show me. And he finally gets to this land and God promises him, I'm going to give you this land. When they get in the land, there's other people living in the land. Lot 
has become wealthy in livestock now. And there's a dispute that arises between their herdsmen saying, hey, there's not enough room for everybody here. And so Abram says to Lot, we're, we're, we're family. We, we don't have to fight. We can work this out. I'll tell you what. You choose what's good for you. And, and I'll just go the other direction. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And so Lot looks around, and from where he's standing, he can see the fertile valley of the Jordan Valley. Plenty of streams, plains, lush, water, life. And he compares it to the mountain range of Palestine. And Lot says, well, if I can choose, then I'll take the Jordan Valley. It looks much better than the sticks and the rocks up here in the mountain range. And so Lot departed. Because Abraham was okay, Abram was okay with saying, you know what, Lot, let's put you next. God's first, but then others are second. Let's consider what you need. It's a way of life for Abram. It's what we've been talking about over these last few weeks. I don't want you to believe that Abram is the ultimate example of God first and others second. He is not. Jesus is the ultimate example of God first and others second. You remember in the garden, the night before Jesus was crucified, He prays, not my will. Because I'm not first. God, it's your will. Because God's first. And that very same night, He says to His disciples, I will give my blood for the ransom of many. Then it was about others. For Jesus, it was always God first, others second. I think when we read the story of Abram, however, we're tempted to say, but if God is first, others are second, then what about Abram? And let me just show you one more time because I think it's valuable. Abram knew that God would take care of him. What an incredible way to live. That person you pictured in your mind a moment ago. They were able to say God is first and others are second because they were convinced that God would take care of them. What a way to live your life. So we're going to focus here today. And I want you to grab your Bible and open it, if you will, to Genesis chapter 13. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 14. Genesis chapter 13, I'll begin with verse 14. And you'll see how this story unfolds. Abram has already said, God, you're first. We're going to put others second. And now we're going to watch how God takes care of him. And so here's the way the story unfolds. These words, these first four words, a few months as I was preparing for this series, grabbed hold of me. After Lot had gone. After I wrote the check, after we packed up and moved out of town, after we said God first and others second, reality sets in. Okay, we've taken this step of faith now. We've said yes to God. We've considered others before ourselves. After Lot had gone, the next five words also captured me. The Lord said to Abram, God comes to us. Look, as far as you can see, in every direction, 
north and south, east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see. He had promised land earlier. Now the promise has additions to you, to your descendants, as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. So go ahead. (laughs) Walk, Abram. Walk through the land in every direction because I'm giving it to you. And so Abram moved his camp to Hebron. And he settled near the oak grove belonging to the Mamre. And there he built another altar to the Lord because that's what he did. He was always finding a place to worship and he was always seeking God. And as we continue to seek God and find places of worship, God will lead us to this life of God first, others second, and God is going to take care of me. Do you agree? Amen. It was not a very hearty amen. I'll be honest with you. How many of you say, uh, when it comes to eating pasture, you know what I love? I mean, this just really gets me excited. What I love, I know I'm getting ready to meal. You know what really sounds good to me always? Just, and I want you just to respond by hand way up in the air really fast, okay, if this is your story. I love leftovers. I got a few. I got a few. I think for most of us, leftovers are either just okay or not okay at all. That's, that's what I think. I think there's two categories. I don't think there's many people who say, if I've got my choice, it's always going to be leftovers, you know. But, but I think for a lot of us, you know, we're like, Leftovers are okay. The other night, Annette made this, this deal. It was, it was cabbage, which I love cabbage. And you'd have to love cabbage to love this. But wrapped in bacon. And what is not good wrapped in bacon, right? And then you just put pepper on it. And then you just bake it for about 45 minutes. If you love cabbage, that may sound good to you. If you don't, you may say, I don't want to ever eat that in my life. But, but I said to Annette, I hope there's leftovers. Because I want some more of this. But I think for most of us, leftovers are just okay or they're not okay at all. You know that, that deal when you go to a restaurant to eat and you don't eat all of your food and you say to yourself, oh, we're not going to waste this, bring us a box. And you take it home and you put it in your fridge so you can throw it away like five days later. <laughs> because in our world, in our country, we just have so much food. But, but typically leftovers isn't, isn't the most desirable. It's the sense that, uh, that everybody else is going to a really nice restaurant, and what are we going to do? We're going home to eat leftovers. That never feels real good. You know what I'm saying? And I wonder if it's what Abram felt. I wonder if he had a sense of that. I put God first. And I put Lot's concerns in front of mine. And he's going down to all the new fertile Jordan Valley. And we'll just live on the leftovers. We'll, we'll be okay with what's left over. It's like Lot and his gang's going to a really nice restaurant and we're just going to go home and eat leftovers. 
I, I, think, I think it's in those, those moments of our lives. And I think this is the reason it's so important to talk about God first, other second, God will take care of me, is because there are those moments in our lives when we make those choices that we're tempted to wonder, am I going to be okay living on what's left? Am I going to be all right? I was going to ask this morning, um, how many people have gotten married in the last year? Is there any newlyweds like within the last year in the room? Well, look at here, right there. So you got married, but you didn't raise your hand. Did you marry somebody else? Because you're holding her hand right now. No, both of you. Okay, gotcha. You thought one hand would be sufficient. Anybody else? I bet they both raised their hands if there are. Um, so, so I think this is a good way to think about about God and and about um, about promises. Um, you know, we 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 really um, think about what happens at a wedding in the sense that people make promises to each other. They they say things like this. You know what I promise? I promise you that I will uh, I will keep myself only unto you as long as we are both alive. And for better or for worse, and sometimes it's worse, right, in marriage. And for richer or for poor, and sometimes you get poor. And uh, in sickness and in health, you can break a hip along the way. I'm just telling you, it happens. Um, but I'm going to be committed to you until we die. Yeah. Promises. Promises are powerful. This idea of God first, other second, I think it really shows up in our money. I'm amazed sometimes at, at your generosity. At, at the way you live this, this pattern in your finances. I'm, I'm, I'm just sometimes overwhelmed by it. I think, wow. And you say, okay, even in our money, it's, it's God first, and then it's others second, and then, and then we can be okay with what's left over. Annette and I, we, we were married, and I was in seminary, and we were living in a little apartment that we were renting, and I remember this little kitchen table that I would sit at with the checkbook, and I would pay our bills, and I would write a tithe check, and I would add to the tithe check an offering for missions. I'm not saying that for you to think, wow, Rick really had it together early on. I, I don't think I really had it together. I think that I was doing what I'd been taught to do, and Annette had been doing what she had been taught to do, and I don't think we really grasped it at that point of our lives. I don't think we'd really figured this thing out yet. I think we were more doing what we thought we were supposed to do and what our parents had taught us to do. But I remember I would write that check for, for, for tithe because God was first. And then we would add an offering for missions because others were second. And then we would look at the bottom line of the checkbook and we would say, okay, this is what's left over now. This is what we live on. Because there's always God first and then you've got to think about others. And, and then you can live on what's left over. Not a bad way to think. 
we came to the end of December this year as a church. And there's always, you know, the want to make sure we meet our budget. And, 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 and because so many of you have said God's first, we not only met our budget, but we went over a little bit and we actually got to spend under a little bit and it left us in a great position for the end of the year. And not only did you do that, but you gave to missions about a half a million dollars to missions, but that's not counting everything you give to missions because many of you went on your own missions endeavors and you paid a lot of money out of your pocket. And there's people who don't quite get it, who aren't part of church world, and they say, you know, the thing with the church, it's always about the money. And they don't understand how you so freely give of your money. They don't, they don't get it. And, and you and I have a response for that. We would say, well, we just stand on God's promises. Sung a kid when I was sung a song as a kid growing up in church. We're standing on the promises of God. And so and so we, we have all of these verses that we live by. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things, like what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and the clothes you're going to wear. God will take care of all those things. As long as you just say, okay, God's first. And so, so even in our finances, we just say, God's first. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. God will add these things to you. He'll take care of all these things. I love this verse in Philippians. Paul says, but my God will meet all of your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know. And so we just live saying, you know what, if I, if I put God first, if I consider the needs of others second, then, then God just takes care of me. I want to show you some words, okay? After Lot had gone. After we said yes to God, after we made a sacrificial gift, after we delivered the groceries to the other family, after we committed this much time out of our schedule to serve, after we packed up and moved away, I, I think there is this moment in all of our lives when we come to this place of saying, okay, I, I said God first and we said others second. Now what? You know. And, and I love the next words. The Lord said to Abram, God shows up. <laughs> because God is aware of every time that you say God first. God is aware every time that you say others second. He just comes to us. That's what God is like. That's who God is. He is incarnational. He comes right to where we are. And He just says to Abram, in loving ways, Abram, you're going to be okay. If you're tempted to wonder, now that you've said yes to me, and now that you've put out their sight, and if now you're tempted to wonder, are you going to be okay? You're going to be okay. 
And He just brings peace to Him. And so, our God is a covenant-making God. And, and in all of these promises, let me show you chapter 15, okay? On that day, the Lord made a covenant, okay? A covenant with Abram. And He said to your descendants, I give this land. This is a covenant God makes. And, and to this point in the Abram story, it's all about God's promises. Covenant means promise to this point. Now, later on, God is going to say, now I'm going to ask some things of you, Abram. But to this point, it's, it's, it's that first promise. I'm going to, I'm going to make you the father of, of many nations. I'm going, to, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Um, I'm going to bless all the peoples of the earth through you. I'm going to give you land. This is what God does. He just makes some promises. And when, when Abram begins to live out this life, God comes back and He renews the promise. And He adds to it. Look at the next screen, if you will. Look as far as you can see in every direction. North, south, east, and west. I'm giving you all this land. So as far as you can see, to you and your descendants, as a permanent possession. You see, I think what we do is we simply say God's first, others are second, and now I'm going to stand on God's promise. There's a lady who attends our church. Her name is Krista. And she wrote a little book called Teaching the Bible, uh, A Practical Guide for Parents. And I picked it up and, and read it, and I was impressed with it. We're so impressed with it that we gave it to our daughter, Brittany, who has a little girl, uh, Sadie, um, for, for Christmas. We said, Britt, we, we wish we had written this, read this book when you were little. You would be better off today if your mom and I had read this book when, when, when you were small. It's awesome. It's just, it's just this idea that you don't, you don't just trust the Sunday school to teach your kids. You, you, you teach your kids and let the Sunday school come along to help you. And, um, and it's just practical ways to teach God's Word to your kids. And, and she quotes an old, I think, Chinese proverb. And, and the question is, you know, when is the best time to plant a tree and you know the answer probably some of you are big into horticulture you, you you love planting you love gardening do you know when the best time is to plant a tree according to the chinese proverb 20 years ago that's the best time to plant a tree so if 20 years ago is the best time to plant a tree when's the second best time to plant a tree today and 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 that's what she says to parents well what if we if we didn't do this, well, she says, we'll start now, you know. So I've got a feeling that there's some of you who would say, um, I've been listening to you for a few weeks here. God first, others second. That's not how I've lived my life. I've, uh, I've had an order of priorities that I live by, but that's not it. And, and some may say, Number one in my life, I, I put myself there, you know. So I didn't, I didn't do it. I should have done it 20 years ago. I should have done it 40 years ago. And I would say, well, the next best time to start is, is now, today. So i got to confess to you that as I've been preaching these sermons, I, I'm, I'm a person who tends to be in a hurry. I like to do things like run to my car, if you've noticed, and doesn't work out too well sometimes. And so, um, 
I, I've tried to listen to my friend Lewis McLean, who is saying God is telling him these days, take the rush and the hurry out of your life. And, and I've noticed myself just saying, other second. Put others in front of yourself. And even when it comes to, uh, I'm in a hurry. You know, that's the way I live. And when I'm in the car, it's like, no, no, you sit there and you motion them to come on. That's really a challenge for me. That may disappoint you, and I'm sorry that it does. But, Or just, just I noticed in a grocery store with a cart the other day, it's like, do I go, do you go? And, and I finally laid back and said, no, you come on. And, and then it got awkward. They said, you come on. I said, no, you come on. They said, no, you come on. And so I, how, how long do you do this? You know what I'm saying? But, but just in little things, little things, I'm trying to say, Lord, help me just to say, no, you're first. You, you go. I'll put you in front of me. And, and I think it's in those little things. Then they begin to build, and you can do that in the, in the bigger things too. So start now. And uh, the reason we can do it is because God, God takes care of us like He took care of Abraham, right? He's got your future in His hands. You want to talk about promises in this covenant relationship that we live with God? This is one of my favorite promises of God to His people. For I know the plans I have for you. He says in the book of Jeremiah, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope. And a future. And so if God has got my future in His hands, if He has plans for me, I can say, okay, I, I, can, I can put God first. I can, I can then put others second. And then, and then I just know that God has got my future in His hands. It's a lot better than me having my future in my hands. Right? So much better. So, Abram moved south near Hebron in the rich pasture lands. <laughs> Who would have thought? He would have been stuck up in the mountain range. No, no, no. God says, Abram, when you, when you put me first, others next, I'll, I've got plans for your future. Do you ever wonder where he would have been? If he would have said, no, it's me, I'm next. I can tell you where he would have been, near Sodom and Gomorrah. And you should read on in the story. It's not where anybody wanted to be. See? I told you last week I'm really excited about next Sunday. Can't hardly wait. Every year we do a Sunday where we focus on world missions. But this Sunday we're not bringing strangers in. We're bringing some close friends in, Doug and Margaret Eaton. And they're going to share with you what God has been doing in a country called Iswatini, formerly known as Swaziland, where we've been partnering now for 10 years. This is historic. And I've been in meetings with them last week, two days in a row, and I listened twice to what God has done in the last year and what God has on the horizon. And so every year we ask you, make a pledge. And we pass out on our worship cards these little 
tear-offs where you write your name and you say, you know, over the next year we're going to give this much to missions. And that and I have done this for years. Many of you have done it for years. Because we want other second to be a way of life. And so we do it with every check that we receive. A certain amount of it goes to missions. Because we don't want it to be just kind of this one-time thing and I forget about it for the next 12 months. No, I want it to be a way of life. Every week or two I want to be giving to this. I want to, I want to make that a way of life. It's a lifestyle. And so we'll ask you to do the same thing that we've asked you to do for years. And many of you will make commitments. You'll turn in a card and you'll say, over the next year, our family is going to give this much to others, this much to missions. And we'll do it every week or every two weeks or once a month or whatever. But this next week, we're going to ask you to do something we haven't ever asked you to do before. We're also going to receive a one-time offering. And this will be where you'll just come with an offering next Sunday. Annette and I are talking about it. We're praying about it. What are we going to bring next Sunday? What do you think God wants us to do? We have a lot we would like to do in Iswatini. And we have a lot we would like to do for the folks on the Native American district down in Arizona that we partner with as well. We're also taking a team to the Dominican Republic. And so we're, we're praying now, Annette and I, and I'm telling you this in advance. Mentioned it last week, so you would have time to pray. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just did something amazing <laughs> next week? If we gave an offering that would just kind of shock us all. And we just said, I'm okay with saying, God's first. I bring my tithe every week, you know. Others second. We're going to give to others. And, And God's got my future in His hands. I'm good. God takes care of me. Amen. You want to stand with me? So as I look at the clock, we're in good shape. Of course, I never preach long. It just seems that way. So we, we have some time to, to pray. And I would love to do that today. I would love to say, um, it may be that you want to pray about this series that we're in and what God is saying to you. And you feel like God is challenging you um, in this idea of God first, others second. God's taking care of me. And if that's the case, I would love for you just to come down kneel at an altar and say, Lord, you've been talking to me. What else is it that you want to say to me? You know, could be that you've come to worship today and you've tried hard to focus, but it's been tough because of what's going on in your life right now. And you really need prayer. And for whatever that situation is, I would encourage you today to come down and pray. And I'll ask pastors to be here. Lou will be right here on my right. And Mike Brooks, he'll come over and he'll be on my left. And uh, you can just go to either one of them if you want a pastor to pray for you. You may come as a family. You may come as a couple. You may come with a friend or two. But if you're going through some stuff and you're saying, Pastor, You've been talking about how God takes care of us. I need God's care today. Well, then come and and ask God for His help today. It's okay. 
It may be that you need physical healing today, and our pastors would be glad to anoint you and pray for your healing this morning. If you need healing, I wish you would come and pray. Ask God for healing. Could be that you've been hanging around the church for a while. You're not a follower of Jesus. You wouldn't claim to be a Christian this morning. But you've been thinking about it. And you've been feeling that this is something you want to do. And this is the life that you want to live. You want to be forgiven of your sin. You want to be right in your relationship with God. Then I would encourage you come this morning. And ask God to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to live in your heart. Jesus said it's like being born again. It's this whole new and better life that God has prepared for you to live. We're going to sing an old song that I think you're going to love. And as we sing, feel free to come and pray, okay? You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.